0: what's brewing atx here episode five we're going to be talking about moon tower cider and we have the owner of moon tower here with us jonathan Ratcliffe. here alongside with my co-host greg carlson and ian grossman what's happening howdy yes sir and we'd like to introduce our guest Tell us your name, Benjamin Weaver. Benjamin Weaver here with Moon Tower Cider. And do you go? Do you call it a cidery? Sure, do. Yes. Okay. A cidery. a cidery. It's like
1: A awesome. winery. That was the question of the day yesterday. Yeah, right? it really <laughs> was. We were,
0: we we're reviewing the questions. Right? Like, do, do you call it a cidery? Is it a brewery? What? You, okay, cool. Um, of course, be sure to follow us on Instagram at What's Brewing ATX at What's Brewing ATX and subscribe on iTunes, um, Spotify. Or Google Podcast. Give us that five-star rating. And please feel free to give us all the suggestions in terms of who you'd like to hear from and what topics you want us to to discuss. So um, give us a little teaser on the weekly brew. What do we have coming later for them that they can't miss? Well, it has to do with owls
2: in Austin. That's all I have to say. With owls yeah, in Austin. Austin. You guys better get the wheels turning. And see if you can guess what we're talking about. <laughs> you don't want to miss it's the weekly It's gonna week be either. interesting.
0: So stay tuned. All right, All right. So how about how about give us a little background on on cidery? Tell us tell us a little bit about it.
3: So I started this about a year and a half ago. Wow. Um, and so this is very new. Yeah, That's awesome. quite new. I started it with my own two feet and. Um, Hired my first employee about three, four months in. He uh, slowly became the head cider maker. Wow. And uh, another, uh, some other part-time help as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We had been self-distributing for the first year, about 12 months, and then we started distributing with uh, one of the local uh, independent distributors in town in October of last year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we've hit our fourth skew. We got four different flavors now. We just is
2: that what skew means? Fourth skew, yeah. Fourth and, industry lingo. Okay. <laughs> cool. Skew
3: like SKU. SKU. Yeah, just a a generic term for for a product. I cool. guess.
1: Do we? Did you give the name? I know we. You said cidery, but I did. I did said Moon Tower it? cidery. Okay. Yeah we
0: talking
3: to about moon tower cider. Right you know, now. it's actually
0: cool though. I just thought about this. We've done where every single time so far, we'll have some sort of brew, talk about it, and then bring up our topic. Well, today our topic for the first time is, is moon the, tower cider. Is the brew? the brew? We're drinking cider. So right that's Pretty cool. So we'll hear about about the business, um, the vibe of the actual location, uh, if if there is one, and um, and kind of what your inspiration was. So talk to us about the the four types that you have
3: today so our um, our focus is on traditional cider um, I've been fermenting for probably eight years before I started this just casually mostly uh, both beer and, and cider at the house yeah at the house cool. yeah. yeah and um, I've been you know to a couple of the cider hotspots around in Europe. So, there there are kind of three regions that are really well known for cider um, being East uh East England, so Somerset region of England, um the Normandy uh and Brittany ver- uh region of uh France, and then um some places in in Spain as well. And they each kind of have their own styles. The Spanish is very Very acidic, very tart, um, and they have, you know, they use their local traditional um, apples, which tend to be high in tannins. Mm -hmm. Um, That has to do with the thickness of the skin or no? Well, tannins are often in the, there are tannins in the skin. Okay. Um, High tannin apples tend not to be very tasty to eat. Right. Uh, but they're great for making cider oh they lend complexity they're they, they serve a lot of purposes but the the main thing is like traditional cider is made with high tannin apples either called bittersweet or bitter sharp depending on whether they depending on their acid content so um the bittersweets and the bittersharps are are the traditional cider making apples and we, so our, getting back to what we do here, our flagship cider is a semi, we call it semi-dry. It's a blend of uh bittersweets mm-hmm. and culinary apples. So culinary apples are the everyday apple you find at the grocery store that are good for eating. Tastes good. and good. Any Tastes specific, specific <laughs> type, like there's
1: gala apples and.
3: Yeah, so the blend that we use can change throughout the year. Um, it's a it's usually five different apples going into it and the 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 blend it the 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 markers you're trying to hit is mostly acidity and sugar content since the the and then here right now i'm just talking about the culinary apples so culinary apples are um either considered sharps or sweets Mm -hmm. as opposed to bitter sharps or bitter sweets and the sharps are higher acid and the sweets are lower, lower acid. So if you blend together the right, you know, amount amount, uh, percentages of f- five different culinary apples, you can hit those uh, targets of acid and sugar content that you're shooting for usually. And that's
1: something that you
3: decide when you're tasting it, like if it's the right facility so, or? Yeah, so we don't, we don't press our own apples, we bring it in as juice, okay. and, but the the, the the custom blend, the people who are juicing it, um, dial in those, they, they, gotcha. they, they put in the right you know proportion of each apple um, right. to, to hit those targets. And it's, it tends to be a, a lower pH or higher acid content because um, that's what tastes good in cider, right. yeah. so uh, more tart and then um, of course you want the the right amount of sugar content, the sugar content determines your alcohol content at the end of the day. The beauty of using a blend of many different apples is that, that if you swap out one apple for another you're not going to notice the difference, okay. whereas if you're using a single variety um, even the fluctuations in that apple from year to year can cha- can kind of change uh, yeah. things this, this more. This is uncanny how similar it is to to winemaking it is right? winemaking yeah cider making is winemaking period the end it's just a different fruit sure yeah wow. it's it's much more it's, it's more like wine use, it's so cool we use the same mm-hmm. techniques as winemaking uh we use all the same we use white wine yeasts for for fermenting it's huh. it is winemaking with a different fruit very cool. cool. So, thirsty? Yeah, yeah, thirsty. So, so we have
0: four types now. Yeah. Tell us about the types and what we're about to drink today.
3: Okay. So the yeah. as a, as I was getting into the semi-dry is our flagship, and it's a blend of those culinary apples I was talking about and then one bittersweet. Uh, it's a dabinett from England. Palm blush is a blend of cider and a couple, mm. excuse me, wine grapes. So those two grapes come from the... Texas High Plains out west. It's Orange oh. Muscat and Ruby Cabernet. Nice. Um, both both are kind of uh, high temperature grapes. Good good in this climate. Mm. Um, wow. And one nice thing about so you'll you'll notice that two of um, two of the uh, three flavors here are blends. Mm. And cider is really good with blends because it's a very transparent. Um, It's very transparent compared to beer and compared to wine because Uh it's kind of like a low gravity wine. Um, So, you know, more mellow and things really, you know, come through. Um, It's not overpowering the way that big robust wines can be. So if you blend in a little bit of something, especially something that you're going to pick up on the nose, um, it goes a long ways. So the palm blush is our blend of a couple wine grapes and cider, and that's our one of them is a a red wine. So that's a you know it's got a it's got a pink hue to it. That's Mm -hmm. kind of our take on a rosé. Oh, nice. And (laughs) then blush. Yeah, we call it a blush. So number three is miel. Um, That's Mm -hmm. means honey Mm -hmm. in a couple languages, and that is a blend of mead or honey wine and cider. And then to kind of Balance M I M I E L Yeah, Meel. Ooh, six point nine percent. And that's coming from the the mead. The mead we make is a really high gravity mead, and then we blend a little bit of that in. Okay. And the mead is when you make high gravity mead, it mm-hmm. gives you this um, really rich, almost. There's no tannins in in honey, but it mimics uh, like a high tannin kind of. Uh, thing so huh. to balance that we we put a little bit of a uh, uh, lemon in it too to kind of balance the okay. acid. Makes sense. And then okay. number four that's about to come out right right about now is Perry. Is uh, this is this one's so not out? Uh, we... Yeah, right. Whoa. So. This <laughs> You'll is be oh the oh first my. to try it. Right? Not what? Right? what? Wow. <laughs> And that's that's going to be a little bit lower gravity. Um, it's 5.4 percent alcohol. The other ones are all uh, uh, above six. And perry is perry the term for wine or cider made with pears instead of apples. Okay. And so we just called it that just to make it clear. Cool. Makes sense. Cool. And um, that one is is a little bit you know it's lower gravity. It's going to be a little bit lighter. It has Different acids than than apples. Uh, pears just have a, a a more complex blend of acids mm. and less acid um, compared to compared to the apple ciders.
0: Cool. So how about we all open one? Uh, one? This, this is real fast. blowing my mind. Do you want to you want
3: to open one at a yep. time and, and do a little tasting of each? Let's do it like that. Okay. Yeah. Right. We'll start with the the semi dry. Okay. This is. This is so much fun. I don't think it was. This is our like favorite. This. this is our favorite part of every episode. Actually, <laughs> we actually started this sir.
0: podcast just so we can drink. Yeah. drink. yeah, why not?
1: <laughs> there you go. All right, so wow. we got the green can. If you looked the at green. our last Instagram yeah. post, right, it was a picture of this can, the semi-dry.
3: Yep, and that's our flagship. Flagship. Right. Cheers. Cheers, so, cheers, boys. Thank you. Thank you, Mister Weaver. Make sure to. Smell the, the nose, the bouquet. If you will. Sorry, we, no. we went straight <laughs> to drink. It's usually uh,
1: our first step: drink and then oh, smell. So,
3: okay. So this is um, if you are ah. describing this, you know, it's a it's a higher acid kind of more uh, tart cider. It's a uh, pretty clean. We ferment clean with uh, a couple different um, white wine. Yeast and one champagne yeast. Okay, and um, so he, you can taste that a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. So for someone that's trying a, a cider mm-hmm. for the first time with wine, obviously you know swirl it, smell it. Mm-hmm. How do you go
3: about trying a cider the right way? Same, same you thing? know, yeah. If you want the full um, cider experience, it's you use the same kind of you know tulip glass or any any okay. kind of glass that that mm-hmm. will give you that. Uh, usually, you want to let it let it settle for a minute just to build up a little bouquet and- okay. now naturally
2: i would not think to do that based on the sheer fact that right now these are in cans that's right is Probably there a just- method behind that is there a, a specific
3: reason or is it just better for you know you know like why didn't you go with the bottle so that's just uh, basically a, a a trend that Everything is going toward, Got and it. yeah, and there's, oh. you know, there are big advantages of cans over bottles. Okay, um, we could get into that if you want, but <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you'll you'll, I, it's even hitting wine now. You mm-hmm. you see wine and Camp starting wine. to be in cans now too. I mean, there there's there are some nice things about bottles. You can recap them, um, if you're if you want to drink half a bottle of wine and then cap it for later on. Yeah. But that's kind of the only real advantage, uh, as far as you know, protection from oxidation, uh, cost. Um, basically, ev- almost every advantage uh, goes to the can over a bottle. Wow! Just weight and everything. Just being able to to package it um, on a shelf and so on. It's more compact. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. Which
1: one would you choose, Jonathan, for uh-huh. the second taste?
3: Yeah. Which one would you, How? What order would you Why go? don't we do them in the order that they came out. So the Palm Blush is our uh, yeah. second um, one. Okay. And this is the it's one, good. this came out over the
1: summer. It's. I think I it, my wife would like this one, um, just from the look of it. It, is, it does okay, look like rosé, actually. It's, yeah, it's pink.
0: And while you, we're, we're doing that, I'm going to ask you a quick this question to tell us... Tell us a little bit about Moon Tower. Is it a physical location? Are you totally remote at the moment?
3: Yeah, so we started out in a little production facility, tiny little production facility, about 1,500 square feet, um, kind of in in central east Austin. Um, Not enough space to have a public-facing part of it, Um, Mm. but we are in the process of moving right now to new new space. Um, in fact, we're we we just moved like uh, at the end of last month. Right, you're saying so. Uh, yeah, where is it? We're on um, we're at 1916 Tillery Street. It's just south of the Mueller development. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, just south of Manor Road, um, in between Manor Road and MLK, just east of Airport. So. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I happen to live a few blocks away as well, so I've been in that neighborhood a long time.
0: I'm in the east side as well, so it's a good, good right. spot. A little more south than you, but... So we'll be able
1: to,
3: once you're fully functioning there, people can go hang out? Yeah, so so the big, the main reason for that move was to have a tasting room. Um, and so it's, it's quite a bit bigger space. We'll have expanded production floor and then also uh, a, a tasting room. Does cider come out of a keg? It can, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah. So, what uh, our uh, tasting room will be, will have a draft wall. Okay. And, yeah. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Well.
0: Because it is. That's good. It is bubbly. It has carbonation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's yes.
3: carb. We carbonate. Just mm-hmm. like beer. Yeah.
0: Would carbonate? Mm. I guess it doesn't matter whether it's a bottle or a can, then, huh? Carbonated.
3: No, I mean there there are slightly bigger challenges to packaging in cans with carbonation. You you ha- you can't have too high of carbonation. That's okay. That's the sure. big thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, Did you run into that?
2: Did you have any like major? Oh crap! We just blew something.
3: Like any any real? There was one box? one single canning run where we had too much carbonation uh, built up in the in the product yep. and but there's an easy way to get rid of that you just blow off some of the co2 okay huh that's easy just blow off the co2 i mean you lose you you never really want That's you never want to do that because you any any time you're volatilizing co2 or any kind of gas in in a product you're going to lose a little bit of the the aroma Mm -hmm. so that's not you know ideal but it's it's not going to kill it okay
0: Side note, I do like Bone Blush. It's pretty good. Thank you. It is good. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's, like how they're
3: both very different from each other. Yeah. And that just goes to show, again, the transparency of cider. It's a much subtler product. Um, it's a challenge to make good, clean cider for that very reason, too. So little, you know, you talk about wine faults and beer faults, um, often those can be Hidden if they're if they're not too bad in, in wine and in beer it's really hard to hide hmm. those faults in cider you okay. you, you have to be uh, pretty meticulous about your protocols and so making as, sure nothing I believe it
0: <laughs> as we're trying our third one the next question I have for you is what makes your cider different from say other competitors. In the area or in general? Um, mm-hmm. And what are the other competitors? Because I really, I'm not too big into cidery.
3: Yeah, so in town we've got, um, we're up to five cideries. We've got um, the very first cider company producer in Texas was Argus Cider, mm-hmm. and they're out um, off of Fitzhugh Road in, in the Hill Country. Yeah. Um, By Jester King. Oh okay. Yep. Yeah, same street, right? Yeah. You. Yep, just off the same street. Um and then number two was Austin East Ciders and they're mm-hmm. That's what I was gonna say. I was like that when I think oh, of cider East- that's yeah. probably what I see the most. Definitely. God. So they're they're the behemoth. Yeah. Um they're they're actually one of the largest cider companies in the country. Oh wow. Um they're they're massive, gigantic. They're a national brand now. So they're not just Austin anymore. Yeah. And then um, Texas Keeper, they're down south uh, just actually yep. just outside of town in Man- in Manchaca. They actually uh, just had their fifth birthday mm-hmm. last weekend. They had a little yeah. shindig. Yep and they got a great spot out there, uh, their tasting room. Same with Argus as well. And then um, I was the fourth in October 2017 followed very rapidly by uh, Fairweather. Cider in um, uh, at North Austin, kind of in the brewery in, uh, industrial zone gotcha. there. right. And what sets us apart from, let's say those five, um, we do, I mean, not everything I'm gonna lay out is different from all the other ones, but um, we do focus on, so first of all, ingredients wise, we only use you know single strength juice. We don't use concentrates, so that separates us from one in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, no names mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rhymes with. <laughs> Schmargus. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Um, and then we focus on. So we we approach cider making like winemakers, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, like. Brewers, mm-hmm. um, there there is there is kind of this um, because cider making in the U.S. is uh, um, very rapidly expanding and kind of new for a lot of people. A lot of people have kind of approached it from beer, so they they kind mm-hmm. of uh, and that can be you know simply from a marketing strategy, but it can mm-hmm. also be from the type of yeast uh, and, and protocols and equipment you use. Mm-hmm. Um, we treat cider like it's wine, just a, a different juice. And that, that is the traditional method as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the, the, the kinds of um, ciders that we put out are gonna be more like either traditional cider or blends of other kinds of wine and, and cider. So there, that's where you get the palm blush. And also the miel, which is a blend of mead and cider. Yeah.
0: Speaking of. Perfect time
3: to so give it a shot. Let's give this one a shot. Yes. And,
0: sure. and it's funny because when you mentioned the traditional, I guess, the vibe of cider, um, kind of, it, it does to oh me wow. when I think of it, I, I imagine like it feels good. almost like the hipster vibe. You know, it's like a new cool thing um, that that does spin off of brew making Mm -hmm. brewery so it's uh, it's cool to see that your way of doing it is I guess just a little more
3: would you call it traditional would you call it I would call it traditional and what I mean by that is so you know this is obviously not known to everybody but cider used to be the the drink of choice for most Americans like in the in pre-prohibition in through the 1800s it was it was much more common um to have cider huh. uh, than beer or wine mm. and that's you know a, a function of a couple things but a big part of that was just that the, there were apple trees all around the country and oh, know, it easily, it easily accessible very accessible oh. to, to yeah turn the turn the apples into cider mm. and so it had actually a pretty long tradition up until prohibition and then to make a pretty long story pretty short um, during prohibition um, pretty much all of the cider making apples trees were chopped down oh. and when prohibition ended um, it was just a lot easier to like the infrastructure was around uh, to to get beer and wine back up and running quicker than, than cider, and c- cider just kind of fell away. Because you'd have to grow apple trees. Exactly. and so <laughs> scratch. A- apple trees. trees just take a long time to mature to fruit. Yeah. And, and so you're seeing that again right now with um, this renaissance of cider, um, most of the apples that cider makers have a- ac- access to are the culinary apples. Huh. The table apples that we were talking about, and not so much the traditional cider making apples mm-hmm. um, because they, they just take a long time to, yep. to grow. But mm-hmm. now we're starting to get more of those apples online. And in the last, um, you know, people started planting five, five, six, seven years ago, and the, they're, they're, they're now starting to come online. Mm-hmm. Same kind of phenomenon that you saw in, in beer when, when they're trying to ramp up the hop production. Okay. This
0: is.
2: This is delicious.
3: Yeah, well, thank one,
0: you. I, I really taste the apples in this one.
1: Yeah? Yeah. I'm afraid my year-and-a-half-year-old daughter might like, like the, <laughs> that.
3: She can taste the apple like she's drinking yeah. apple juice. I need to yeah, keep so, this away from her. So the this line. one is a little bit sweeter yeah. um, mm-hmm. than the others. It's also, so it's high, higher, a little sweeter and also higher in acid. Okay. So we try to maintain that balance yeah. of acid and sugar content. Um, just for what I feel like mm. is a pretty balanced, uh, approachable hmm. cider. Not too austere and not too cloyingly sweet, somewhere in between. All the great words. <laughs> austere. <laughs> I'm, <laughs>
0: learning, I'm learning some words <laughs> here. Yeah.
3: So, one um, of you guys,
1: you, you just moved. Are you having like a launch party or something? Yeah, sort well,
3: of? We're, we're hoping to open in May. It's, it's, oh, well. it's still some work to do at the new space. Um, Wait, but yeah, paint? paint. Lots of paint. You got paint <laughs> Great, yeah. Lots of paint. Oh, no, that's not true. All right. You're hired. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. So in May, 1916
0: <laughs> Tillery Street, you can mm-hmm. expect a little uh, grand opening of some sort.
3: Yeah. Well, once we get closer, do you have to be on a list to get invited or can we go? Y- you're invited. Thanks.
1: Yep. That's your, thank you. That's the invite. Thank you. Food trucks? Food, Food trucks? <laughs>
3: eventually. <Crawfish? It's> eventually. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Okay. Stage one opening will just be the, the tasting room. Just drink it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well. Yeah. Tell people to come with a full stomach. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, too crazy. we've yeah.
0: talked a little bit about the packaging, the cans over bottles. Where is it distributed right now? Where where you, can you get this stuff? You know, How far has it gone
3: with that in a year and a half? Um, we are distributed around Austin. Uh, probably most of the HEBs in town... Uh, all the Whole Foods, the Central Markets, the Wheatsvilles, and oh. uh, all the other Specs. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then a, a lot of smaller kind of neighborhood bottle shops, places like mm-hmm. that. Tom's Market, stuff like Tom's, that. Tom's, yeah. We need to inform the public
2: that's uh, not from Austin What what a moon tower is.
3: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't know. Okay. And its Uh,
2: significance to Austin.
3: Yeah. I'd love to get into that. Yeah. So, of course, the the name Moon Tower comes from the the Moon Towers in Austin or Moonlight Towers. They were um, this kind of flash-in-the-pan technology that came around in the 1890s. Mm. And it was the very first kind of street lighting. Mm. And our Moon Towers, I think there were... Thirty-one of them originally, and they are secondhand from Detroit. We purchased them. The city of Austin purchased them from Detroit in 1895, wow. and set them up around town uh, to, to to light up the city. It was, it was the first um, uh, first lighting technology really ever developed for oh, wow. on that kind of scale, and one. Funny thing about... So, if you've ever seen a moon tower, yeah. they're they're a little bit nondescript because they're really just kind of spindly and, and really tall. Super tall. Super tall. Yeah. So, there's a reason why they're super tall, and that is that the arc light technology in those bulbs that they were using were really, really bright. Right. And they had this kind of ghastly bluishness to them. If you read the... the um, the, you know, people talking about them at the time, the contemporary accounts, uh, uh, people described it as like looking at ghost faces when when they were looking at people (laughs) under those lights. So they they had this really kind of harsh glare and that's why they had to be so tall just to diffuse the light over a a, a wide area. Mm -hmm. The other thing about that technology and why it doesn't last very long is that they would have to change out those lights just about every every day oh, so what? they'd have Wait. to climb those towers and, it's not and very efficient. Re- replace the bulbs they didn't right? have leds oh. <laughs>
0: oh. Ten year lasting. i still see them today but i don't from what i remember i think it's been a while since i've actually paid attention to them but i don't remember it being that blindly
3: is right it? so so obviously that that tech the lighting technology that was used the the physical bulbs that they were putting in there um, in 1895, those were a were kind of flash in the pan technology that, that um, and that's why they went out of commission um, pretty soon after that and replaced by other street light technology. And it wasn't until the 60s that um, the city was thinking about, they, they had all these towers spread around town and they thought, you know, they had been unused for decades And so they um, proposed taking them down and there was a a kind of a popular campaign to in in response to that to to keep (laughs) them around and then they wound up you know and and so that the city decided to keep them give them historic designation and they're back in use today of course they're using you know modern lighting technology so okay. there are not my
2: understanding if I read correctly Austin's the only city to have them in that's, the United States yeah
3: that, that's uh, I'm th- I've read that in a number of places I'm pretty sure that's true uh, yeah. certainly the only city to have them functioning function, function. Yeah. Cool. yeah cool so, so there might be some hanging around in Detroit somewhere but yeah <laughs> know. who knows <laughs> if yeah, we Detroit. go to your cidery yeah will there be a moon town <laughs> you can see one from the parking lot. Yeah. Yep. There's That's there's, all there's, is. there's one on yeah. uh, MLK and Chicone You can see off in the distance. Nice. So you know we're, where all we're them just are Okay. Right. I know where all the ones on the east side are, okay. and a handful of the ones <laughs> downtown and on the west side. I haven't I haven't spotted every all 31 of them or oh, yes. however many are left. But and in case, case you're from Austin,
0: yeah. you probably just don't even realize it, but they are like I would say what next to a normal street light typically, or just yeah. randomly, and it's. Super super tall, like three times the height. Yeah,
3: and and you you just they're kind of just part so of the I landscape. And imagine. until you until somebody points them out to you, you don't really notice. And the 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 fact that they are really kind of skinny, they just you don't notice them Yeah. until especially at night. You know, if you're looking for them, they're used to find because the lights are just so high. You know, they're they're much much higher than the normal street light. Yeah, that's and uh, we. Can't possibly um, fail to mention that there's a big uh, pop culture reference to the moon towers in in your uh, uh, hometown hero um, movie *Days and Confused oh so that there's a scene in *Days and Confused where uh, they're they're partying at the moon tower oh. where are you from here? Not originally. Okay. No, I'm from Washington State where there are most of these apples. The apples apple capital are. of the country. That's right. Yeah, what Wenatchee. yeah, In Washington.
0: What part of Washington? Look at what, I, I don't know
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> what part of Washington? I grew up in the Skagit Valley, which is north of... It's in western Washington, north of Seattle, okay. south of the, south of the can, Canadian border. Huh. Um, and then the, at, Washington is... By far the largest producer of apples in the country. Um, the other big s- spots are in the northeast and the in the Midwest, kind of Michigan area. Do you say Washington or Washington? I say Washington. Do <laughs> <Thank laughs> <you. laughs> people say Washington? Because I'm from oh, you know, Washington. Yeah. People say Wa- Washington if they're from Missouri, I think. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Missouri.
0: that leads us to our last one, Perry. We must try okay. the new. Let's the new. All, I can't wait. They have bailing. So this is the newest, and it is made from pears. That's right, and and nothing else. And wow. it was also the what the, the lightest or what did you call? What
3: was yeah, it's word? it's a it's a lighter, um, it's lighter in in flavor and lighter in um, alcohol content. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's got um, it's got a distinct nose to it that mm-hmm. kind of resembles. The, the pear more than the ciders resemble the apple to me. Mm-hmm. It's much closer to to the fruit itself. It
0: doesn't have that like bitter taste at the
3: end. So it's much lower in acid, um, and, and the the, uh, the type of acid is is a is a little bit different too. The acid in in cider or in apples is malic acid, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a sharper. Sharper acid, mm-hmm. the main acid in Perry is also malic acid, but there's less of it, mm-hmm. and then other a few other types of acids as well.
2: Okay, I've never had anything like this before in my life. Mm-hmm. There yeah. you go. Go. So of
3: the four, yeah. what do you guys?
2: What's your preference? Mile. Miel. 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 Yeah. yeah. I like the miel. <laughs> I'd probably go with um,
1: one of the first two.
0: I think yeah. I semi- went back, go back to the semi- semi-dry. Dry. Mm-hmm. I went back to it and I was like, huh. But it just felt
3: well yeah. balanced, yeah, yeah,
0: I looked sweeter, <laughs> I think that um on the occasion it, e- either of them can be pretty the solid, occasion. but I think that if I had to pick one it, it'd probably be the good old semi dry I think like if you're entertaining, having the palm blush
1: out is like a almost like a rose mm-hmm. uh, alternative,
3: yeah. yeah. That's, that, that's kind of our, if these had a season, that would be our summer mm-hmm. cider. The Miel is kind of our fall cider. That's when it came out, um, kind of inspired by the time, by the season. Mm-hmm. And then the Perry is a lighter kind of spring cider or spring mm-hmm. spring drink.
2: You like that Miel, huh? So let's talk a little bit about business gr- sure. growing yeah, and your personal journey with that. Um, what did you do before? You decided to create your own cidery.
0: And what gave you the inspiration to create your own cidery?
3: Okay. Um, So before this, I was doing something totally unrelated to business or, you know, beverages or anything like that. I was in uh, grad school for... I moved to Austin in 2008 uh, to go to grad school in physics, and I did that for five years. And then I did another program in material science. And at the end of those programs, I was kind of at a point in my life where I wanted to do something else. Sure. And I happened to be hiking through Scotland in the summer of 2015 and thinking about, you know, what, what the next step I wanted to take was. And the options were kind of Doing something in the direction that I had been doing up until that point, or do something else, and it wasn't. What? You weren't inspired to
1: start making scotch. <laughs> you were you're, you're <laughs> you're hiking through Scotland, <laughs> I know, and got
3: inspired to start making cider. So I had That's... also just come from. I, I was around Europe on a on a fellowship and was going to different conference, academic conferences, um, and I had just been in. Uh, in Normandy, um, hmm. and that is one of the cider making regions in Europe. One of the big cider making regions, right. and then y- the the specific region of Somerset in England, in the UK, is is cider making. But all really all of uh, all of the UK um, is big on cider. Okay. So it just has a lot more presence, and I you know I think it was maybe not exclusively about the fact that I was in Scotland. It was more like I had a, a week or two of hiking to, to kind of think about. Reflect. Yeah, exactly. Wow. To think about what to do next. And and like I said, I've been fermenting on my own for probably six or eight years at the time. And I liked the, um, the idea First of all, of just striking out and doing something on my own. And then specifically um, cider, because I, I like the... Um, there's something about the process of winemaking, cider making, that that drew me in. Um, and you're from Washington. And I'm, I'm from Washington. Williams. I think it's a confluence of... But, of did, but did you know you
1: wanted this to be like a business? A because biz- you're... Yes, it's one thing to make cider, but it's another thing to actually can it and open it right. cidery and run a
3: business. Right. So, no, it, it, the, the business part of it was, was a big part of the appeal. Yeah. Doing something like starting a business and, you know, going for that. Is it everything it's you,
2: you expected it? it to be?
3: <laughs> Has any entrepreneur <laughs> ever said yes to that question? So that leads into the next <laughs> question, actually.
0: What is what are what have been some of your biggest challenges thus far? Because we're all business owners here, and we've had similar ones. Whether you're in Austin or you're outside of Austin, right. like, what would you say starting a cidery or just in general? What, what are your biggest challenges so far? I
3: mean, the the perennial um, challenge for a small business that requires, you know, a relatively sizable amount of capital is just coming up with that capital that's mm-hmm. that's a, yeah. a huge part of it and small businesses in general are just tend to be under capitalized mm-hmm. and so you're you're always kind of you know cash flow is always an issue um that starting a a brewery these days like people laugh at you if you try to do it for less than Half a million or a million dollars, wow. and I had no access Jeez. to that kind of capital. Um, I happened to have bought a house in Austin, you know, in 2010, and so I took out some of that, but but much much less than than that figure. And I I you know my my method was basically I'm gonna get off the ground, sh- and I. Keep in mind, I had no business background, um, nothing that I could go to investors, or I felt like there was nothing I could go to investors and say, hey, throw your money at me, yep. I have no experience in the industry, <laughs> I've never run a business before, yeah. and so on and so on. And so my strategy was, okay, I'm gonna get this thing off the ground myself, um, show proof of concept, yep. and then and then you know, approach people uh, clearly you've you've yeah. done you've got four yeah, proof of yeah. concepts <laughs> and it tastes yeah. great I mean the
1: from the logo like it's oh, it looks it's it looks simple cool. it's yeah. it's eye
0: catching did you create that yourself by the way the no music. I
3: have I have to shout out um, Elisa Pugh and Brian Wood two good friends who have lived in between Austin and San Francisco over the last um, many years that they used to be in town and and they're they're back in San Francisco now, but they they're good good friends of mine and they did all of this uh, for me. Wow. That's job! They, awesome. they did a good wonderful job. Work. Yeah, it yeah.
0: looks... the the, you know, the first thing I noticed was just the the look. It's yeah, cool so we were hard.
3: going for something um, both simple, um, like stripped down but also catchy mm-hmm. and you know, I the way that the way that you do that is you, you you keep things kind of spare, you use just text, and then you use a, a, a catchy color. And I don't know if you noticed, but the, the color palette here is is kind of the palette of, of apples. Yeah. What? Green, red, yellow, and orange. Yeah.
0: Huh. Didn't think about that at all.
3: That's Would you look cool. at that? And we were trying to come up with a, we went through, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever tried to, huh. a, a, you know, design a, a brand, um, yeah, identity before, but it was mm-hmm. a very long process. Yep. Still working on so it. So
0: for ourselves, it's, it's us individually. Yeah, yeah, so. right. It's, uh, it's been You're fun. It. So, well, so awesome! Great. Thank you so much for of course telling us your story and about it. Uh, it's cool because I, again, I don't know much about cider. Um, I've had it here and there. Girlfriend loves it, so mm-hmm. I've started to taste it a little bit here and there. But I didn't realize the process and the making of it, so it's it's an art. I have a much, yeah much greater respect
3: for it now, right on. appreciation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, awesome. that's what um, you know. The the whole idea behind the tasting room is to have people come in and, and kind of experience cider and a little bit more with more context and and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of education around. Needs People are a lot more educated around beer than they yeah. used to be five years ago, and probably wine too. The craft beer surge. hmm And uh, you know that I think that needs to happen with cider as well, because mm-hmm. there there's a lot more history and context to it than than we cool. might think. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> where where can we find you online on Instagram if we want to if listeners want to
3: yep. look you up. Uh, the it's it's the most obvious uh, you know um, web address and everything. It's just moontowersider.com okay. and Instagram is moontowersider at moontowercider moontowersider So you gotta go check them out. Where where should they go if they want to know about you know yeah well, the most about you. Um, you can if you want to know a little bit of the story, you can go to this website. It's got our our products on there and a little bit of the story about us and about cider and then if you want to follow updates and stuff like that Instagram Instagram we, Yeah we we post uh, occasionally on Instagram but yeah. the important thing's we keep I'm sure you, Make sure you follow me
2: back okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll you'll let us know when when the good old May unveiling is That's right Yep. Awesome. Be coming out Well thanks Ben really thanks appreciate you coming me. we're going to finish it off with The Weekly Brew. The Weekly Brew. Tell us about the Weekly Brew, guys. We heard that it has to do with owls. Owls. Specifically, Hooters. 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 (laughs) And we are talking about the restaurant.
2: The restaurant. Get your minds out of the gutter, folks. If you've ever been on Riverside... Which is just south of the river. Just south of the river, walking west from Congress. Downtown
1: Austin. You get this waft of fried food. And it smells so good. It smells good until you look up and you realize it's coming from... Hooters. Hooters. It's South 1st Street. Yeah. And East Riverside. Well, I guess there it's just... Is it West Riverside, west of Congress? We'll call it uh, West Riverside. Riverside and South 1st Street. Hooters, which has been there since I've lived here for over six years. Uh, uh,
0: probably a lot, lot longer. And a lot longer.
1: Which... It's always crazy that it's still there. Every time I walk by it, I'm like, how is this place still here with all the local and all the business, all the uh, construction? How is it still here? Well, it's no longer here. It's gone. Being demolished over the next two days.
0: By the way, there's a good reason for it. I've been there once. The wings were awful.
1: You didn't go for go the to wings, though. Go to Pluckers. Though. Go to Pluckers. Tell us what you really went for
0: I was single at the time mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> drink some cider you know <laughs> so
2: at any rate uh, it's going to be called River South it's going to be a 15 story office and retail development uh, at a price of 122.9 million dollar construction yikes finance cost so
1: it's 2019 now they're going to be working on it over the next couple of years so 2021 we'll have a it actually, if you look at the renderings online, oh, good. It's a nice, like, like Greg said, fifteen-story glass all the way up, and they got, I think, on the seventh floor, the, there's a little uh, garden, little outdoor rooftop garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested to see what kind of retail they bring in over there. What do you guys think?
0: Yoga studio. Maybe probably like a, a juice a, land, a smoothie spot, yep. yeah. yeah, or another moon spot. tower cider tasting. Right? Maybe <laughs> maybe that's a physical location. There you go, Even in the in that. the distance, mm. or
1: a coffee shop. That's my guess. Coffee, coffee, coffee shop.
0: shop. You know, I know the man who owns the land underneath where that's going. Mm-hmm. His name is Moton Crockett. Moton. He's
3: that's a great name. He's a ninety-six
0: Mone. year old man. And cool cool side story, real quick. Yeah, his father actually owned like basically half of the land of Austin. He used to be, back in the day, south of the river, It mm. used to all be spinach farms. Huh. Uh, and then the warehouse district now, which is like 4th and 5th Street, yeah. were the factories. Hmm. And so all those, of course, factories and buildings were now turned into bars and restaurants. Mm. Um, so mm. Moton Crockett, of course, inherited most of this. Big UT alumni guy. Whoa. Um, I'm in the Lions Club with him. Nice. Service based largest service based organization in the world. Started here in Austin. In Austin. Pretty cool. Um wow. so anyway, the, the the most how could you say, kind, gentle old man you can think of, and he owns half the land in Austin and He doesn't do much with it. He kind of lets other people do it. But he still gets up and goes to work every day. And he's 96. 96. He wants to go to his office and be a part of things. And um, Yeah. So he owns a lot of that land right around there where his father's spinach farms used to be. So pretty cool. Awesome. Anyhow, that's going up. That's coming soon. And that is the end of episode five. Thank you guys for tuning in. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. We'd love that five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at what'sbrewing underscore ATX. And be sure to follow at Tower Cider. Check them out. Coming soon. The physical location in May. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Cheers.